Nation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go beyond the bell. show that takes you back in time as we turn back the clock to rewind relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling this is beyond the bell via the sns radio network the powerful sns radio network if you're not listening you're not trying i'm sean beckerman proud to bring you classic and old school wrestling and sports entertainment as we look back at the greatest and worst in the world of professional wrestling. WrestleMania Month continues here on Beyond the Bell. I hope you've enjoyed the previous audio. Over 10 hours of WrestleMania-themed content for you in the month of March. This week, we kick off the stories of WrestleMania. This will be split into a two-part series where we look back at the stories behind the curtain at the granddaddy of them all, the showcase of the Immortals, WrestleMania. So buckle up, fans, for the stories of WrestleMania. Let's get into it, fans. It's go time! It's the most anticipated event of the year. The sheer spectacle of 75 to 80,000 people is pretty mind-blowing. A worldwide celebration. Everybody wants to be a part of it. Now, see how it all began. It was a huge gamble, the biggest gamble I've ever been involved with. Welcome to WrestleMania! For the first time ever, the untold story is yours in the true story of WrestleMania. There's so many myths, facts, fallacies, and hidden stuff, and people wonder about it. Exclusive behind-the-scenes access. Until you get to that moment a minute or two minutes before your match, it's not real. Untold stories. Um, when I was walking to the ring, it's like um, I couldn't think of anything but my dad. You know, I could feel a presence. That gives you an inside look at every WrestleMania created. There's nothing like it. An amazing event, but an amazing story to me of how it got to be. The true story of WrestleMania. WrestleMania. The title alone is a household name. Yet, the showcase of the Immortals 
hasn't always been the focal point of the wrestling industry. Over the past 27 years, now going on the 28th edition of WrestleMania, the Vince McMahon-led WWF slash WWE has gone from being a major property to a global phenomenon. And no event personifies the lineage and love of the business quite the way WrestleMania does. As we enter our 28th installment of the Super Bowl of Wrestling, like we talked about on the first episode of WrestleMania Month, so many vivid matches and memories come to mind. Each and every year, fans are treated to some of the biggest and best moments in sports entertainment. But every dark cloud has a silver lining. And sometimes, it is the untold stories, the myths, the magic, and mayhem behind the scenes that make the mania so dynamic. So sit back, my friends, and enjoy the following 27 stories from WrestleMania's past to the present and future of the biggest show of the year. From urban legends to mythical phenomenons and encounters and lost matches, this is the definitive, the definite, the absolute list of WrestleMania's greatest tall tales. We've seen and listened to the true story of WrestleMania DVD, which was an absolute work of art by itself. But this will go behind the scenes, possibly the stories that Vince McMahon and the WWE didn't want you to hear, or some of the rumors that carried over and surrounded WrestleMania history. So fans, get ready for the greatest stories of WrestleMania. Our first part will take a look at WrestleMania's 1 through 14. Let's start off with WrestleMania 1. Bruiser Brody's Bounty. Standing nearly 6 feet 6 inches tall, Bruiser Brody was the spitting image of a powerhouse who possessed all the strength and skill of the essential 1980s wrestler. Brody earned the nickname Bruiser as one of wrestling's first athletes to endorse an all-out style of brawling while sporting his caveman good looks. Brody was incredibly well-known during the 1980s, but hadn't really made the national spotlight his own. As he wasn't a WWF mainstay at the time of the inaugural WrestleMania in 1985, all that was about to change. However, as Brody was reportedly offered a large sum of money to run in during the main event of the inaugural WrestleMania and attack the competitors. But he wasn't supposed to attack just any of the four combatants involved. No, 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 no. Brody's shoot assault was to be focused solely on one of the biggest draws the company had at the time. No, not Hulk Hogan, but his tag team partner, Mr. T. As a television and movie star with a bad attitude and super bad appearance, Mr. T was making quite the mark as Hogan's running buddy heading into the first WrestleMania. The run-in, however, never occurred, as Brody allegedly rebucked any and all offers 
reneged, whatever the case may be, to perform such an unadvertised and unwanted stunt. The incident was just the first in a string of bizarre occurrences for Brody's career, which ended tragically in 1988 when Brody was stabbed to death by wrestler-slash-booker Jose Huertas Gonzalez backstage at a World Wrestling Council event in Puerto Rico. This is one of the untold stories of the first WrestleMania. Next year on the Georgia Championship Wrestling. Guess who? Guess who? Tell me, guess who? I know who you are. Yeah, you ought to know. Let me tell you something. I don't want to get personal with you or nobody else for that matter. But don't shuffle me as another name on championship wrestling. You know, when I came in the country from overseas last week, I was passing through Los Angeles and saw the show on TV, Gordon Soley telling everybody how big Bruiser Brody is. Everybody who knows anything about professional wrestling knows how big I am. You don't need to tell them how big, what kind of wrestler I am. What they want to know and what you want to know is what I can do in the ring. If what they heard about what I do in the ring is true, don't give him the gaga about he's another big goose, 300 pounds in the wrestling business. Don't give him the gaga about what a good wrestler I am, because none of that matters. You get down to the guts of the situation and tell him exactly what I do in the ring. That way, I'm going to get along with you. I'm going to get along with everybody. The wrestlers, the promoters, the fans, and mostly you. Yeah, well, all right, I'll tell you what, uh, Mr. Brody, we have a match scheduled. Big Jim Duggan is scheduled to wrestle right now. And if you... Arm drag and twist now by Duggan. And it is... What? Bruiser Brody charges in as uh, Rose started to come to him. It's Bruiser Brody after Rose. The referee calling for the bell as uh, he's disqualified. Ooh! Slammed him into that uh, ring apron. Now has... uh, And uh, Brody just going berserk here on uh, Pat Rose. Just went absolutely berserk. Again, Rose, literally demolished by this man, Brody, and, uh... Now talk to me. I feel a whole lot better right now than I did a couple minutes ago when I was out here. You know, a lot of guys can come out here week after week, and they can shoot their big mouths off. And I'll probably be the biggest offender there's ever been. Because I got a great big napper that nobody's been able to close. I told you... And I told everybody who watches this show, I don't care whether it's on the East Coast or the West Coast. I came here for a reason. Don't think I'm looking for work. I'm not. I came here because I was asked. I was asked personally to come here. And don't mistake me. I wasn't asked to come here for money. Because what I'm going to do here, I don't want paid for. I come here on a personal favor for a very, very personal friend of mine. And what's going to happen? Go ahead, go ahead, butt in, because well, I know I we're going to have a lot of conflict. Well, I'm just a little but I'm going to make it clear, this is a beginning. Don't say I've never seen nothing like it, because you're going to see a lot more of it. Well. 
For a quarter century, WrestleMania has redefined entertainment. Welcome to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania. On April 7th, 1986, WrestleMania 2 pushed the industry's creative and technical limits to the max. This place is popping. Emanating simultaneously from New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, three sold-out venues held three main events. It's just wonderful. It's just incredible. Celebrities, athletes, and entertainers lined up in droves to be a part of the second annual worldwide phenomenon. nineteen eighty six's television tough guy mr t and resident hothead rowdy roddy piper had a mutual disrespect for one another not my idea to be talking right before a big fight i don't like to do a lot of talking my fist gonna do the talking in the ring if mr t can knock me out in this fight right here i would quit and retire professional wrestling i would quit diddlywinks i would quit dating girls in a foreshadowing of celebrity superstar brawls to come Rules were meant to be broken. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I knew this was coming. The main event featured the gargantuan King Kong Bundy squaring off against the legendary Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship in the one and only steel cage match in WrestleMania history. If WrestleMania 1 broke new ground for entertainment, then WrestleMania 2 completely shattered it. Let's now fast forward to WrestleMania 2. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Enough said. The confrontation with Mr. T. Roddy Roddy Piper pulled no proverbial punches during his feud with actor Mr. T. He genuinely didn't like T. And T didn't like him one bit. We discussed this before. If you just listened to the WrestleMania Dream Card, we had a clip from the Hot Rod talking about Mr. T. Their on-screen hostility was a manifestation of an actual hatred that was at a boiling point when the two were to engage in a boxing match at WrestleMania 2. Everything started out normally, except that Piper was actually taking the whole thing seriously leading into, into several grapples by Mr. T, wherein he and Piper would exchange words over the direction of the match. Though the finish was to see T win after a big fiasco involving Bob Warren at ringside, it didn't act exactly go that way. Piper, retrospectively, discussed how he would tease Mr. T with actual wrestling moves and shoot fighting moves to throw him off guard. This situation was seemingly no different as Piper literally body-slammed B.A. Brackus to the mat before officially being disqualified. He body-slammed the A-team member. T. no-sold the move, of course, and made a beeline for the rowdy one, all the while failing to realize that the crowd was eating it up. The real-life tension became too much to handle as the WWF dropped the angle after Mania, thus leaving us with an inconclusive result and no Piper for the next few months as his antics forced him to be removed from television. Realism and storylines, kind of tra- it's, you could say kind of transcending to WrestleMania 28, isn't it? What a matchup. Oh, nice fireman's carry. 
Another amateur move put to good use here as Mr. T hoists up Piper. What's he going to do with him? Oh, drops oh. him like yesterday's newspaper. Roddy didn't expect that. Look out, T now in the wrong corner. Here comes the hub. And all four of them are going at it in the corner. And it's head on hands already. Lost control here. Ali's Spookin. Ace is up there. Muhammad Ali is getting into the ring. And we're getting chaos five minutes into the match, Gino Monsoon. Ali stepped right in there. Oh, look at Ali. Took a shot at Piper. Who goes out? Ali not going to take anything from anybody. Muhammad Ali chasing Ace out of the ring. The, the former champion of the world is taking control of the ring and driving Ace Bob Orton back to the floor. We knew we would play an integral part in this match, and Muhammad Ali, as the outside official, is maintaining order. All three men outside now, Hot Rod, Piper, Mr. Wonderful, and Ace Bob Orton. Billy Martin, look at the look. He's loving this. Inside the ring, waiting patiently, Hulk Hogan. Mr. T and Jimmy Superfly. Anything and everything is going to happen. Piper giving us a sign for timeout here. They're headed for the dressing room, Jess. I don't believe it. No way. Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Ace are heading for a dressing room. No way. He cannot do this. This will not be allowed. Will not be tolerated. These gentlemen will have to return to the ring area. There you see Mohammed Ali, the referee outside the ring. Count going on, but no, sir. The Hulkster doesn't want any part of that count. He wants these guys back in the ring. Hulk Hogan saying, no way, the referee Pat Patterson. He says, get him back in the ring. WrestleMania 3. Okay, let's now talk about the WrestleMania math. 78,000 equals 93,000. Let's get into this, fans, shall we? For 23 years, it stood alone as one of the greatest achievements in the history of live events with the recorded attendance of 93,173. WrestleMania 3 from the Pontiac Silverdome was the largest crowd for any indoor sporting event in history. And who could argue with the greatest headlining match of that time between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant? Or how about the classic undercard clash between Macho Man Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, which we discussed? WrestleMania 3 is remembered for at least a dozen reasons, but the indoor attendance record is easily the most flaunted one of them. Too bad, the number isn't really what it seems. It has long been rumored, confirmed, denied, then confirmed again, that the World Wrestling Federation inflated the attendance figure as a means for publicizing the event as a greater success than it already was going to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the broadcast position of the Silverdome, Pontiac, Michigan. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, along with His Lordship, Alfred Hayes, getting ready, getting prepared for this unbelievable event, Alfred. It's just astonishing. History will be made. You can say all those epithets, mind-boggling, unbelievable, was very good. But isn't it incredible that 93,000 people are here to watch 12 great, great matches? It's amazing. There were wrestlers who were literally born for this day. There are thousands of technicians who have been working around the clock to get the Silverdome ready for this titanic event. It's going to be history unfolding in just a few hours here. To quote Gorilla Monsoon, it was a happening. Not only in Detroit, but in the Cena household. Aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, grandfather, grandmother. We must have had 
30 people watching that program that night. We pulled up early that morning to the venue, the Pontiac Silverdome, and saw a line of people, the longest line that I'd seen in my entire life. And the attitude of the people standing in line was a festive attitude. The people out in the parking lot tailgating. All I'm seeing are fans having a great time tailgating. I thought that was only for football. And then when I walked into the arena, wow, I must have said wow a thousand times that day. Just to look around and see 93,000 plus people here to have a good time, to be entertained. It was a moment I'll never forget. Swung into the ring, it's like um, I couldn't think of anything but my dad. And I love my dad very much. And you know, stepping through the ropes, it, you know, I could feel his presence. It was a good thing. Still do today. Though the actual number, which was more like 78,000 fans, was still incredibly impressive, especially even to this date. 93,000 looked that much better. In 2010, the record, fictional or not, was broken by a crowd of well over 100,000 at the NBA All-Star Game in Cowboy Stadium. And I think next year at MetLife Stadium, my hometown in New Jersey, they're going to shoot and try to beat that record, which they have potential to do. To quote Gorilla Monsoon, it was a happening. Not only in Detroit, but in the Cena household. Aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, grandfather, grandmother. We must have had 30 people watching that program then. We pulled up early that morning to the venue, the Pontiac Silverdome, and saw a line of people, the longest line that I'd seen in my entire life. And the attitude of the people standing in line was a festive attitude. The people out in the parking lot tailgating. All I'm seeing are fans having a great time tailgating. I thought that was only for football. And then when I walked into the arena, wow, I must have said wow a thousand times that day. Just to look around and see 93,000 plus people here to have a good time, to be entertained. It was a moment I'll never forget. Swung into the ring, it's like um, I couldn't think of anything but my dad. And I love my dad very much. And you know, stepping through the ropes, it, you know, I could feel his presence. It was a good thing. Still do today. I was a bit overwhelmed 
as I looked up at that crowd, it was just a, a sea of fans all over the Pontiac Silverdome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have established, all of us, a brand new indoor attendance record. WrestleMania 4, we saw the exit of the dragon. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 4 was the first major rematch in the event's history, but it wasn't supposed to be the first. Actually, that honor looked for the longest time to be going to another classic encounter between Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. After WrestleMania 3, Steamboat was walking on sunshine. He had been booked to remain Intercontinental Champion for a long time and was expecting a child with his wife, Bonnie. Little did he know that one would, well, that one would sabotage the other as he asked for some time off to be with his wife soon after beginning his title run. Offended that Steamboat would throw away his golden opportunity for, a miracle, for the miracle of childbirth, Vince McMahon punished Steamboat, as it was heard, by having him drop the title to the laughable Honky Tonk Man, thus beginning the greatest run, or the greatest intercontinental championship run of all time. And while Honky went on to become, quote-unquote, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, a designation that was likely supposed to be Steamboats, the dragon pressed on, eventually returning to the company just in time for WrestleMania Four and the championship tournament. The bracket had been set where Steamboat would have the opportunity to face Randy Savage in the opening round, a contest that was sure to tear the roof off Trump Plaza. I was there, but management was still out to punish Steamboat for his previous choice, and thus forced him to lose to Greg the Hammer Valentine. Steamboat quickly quote-unquote retired from the business, only to resurface in the NWA the following year. His next WWF stint or run, I was combining the two, done was just as embarrassing as he wasn't allowed to be known as Ricky Steamboat. He was simply the dragon and was forced to do things that a dragon would do, like breathe fire. Steamboat has said it was the worst part of his career, but now he is a WWE Hall of Famer and now still works with the promotion as a producer slash agent. So Ricky Steamboat still no matter what happened, and no matter what the story was at WrestleMania 4, still one of the greatest competitors of all time. All right, over the last couple of months, it has been very difficult for me to introduce this man without using World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan, here at WrestleMania 4 this afternoon. You've got the opportunity to change that. Oh, yeah, it's been hard to live with, man. fee fi fo fum andre One long year, and your time has come, man. No marks, no scars, no blemishes on the Hulkster, brother. But inside, man, I've been scarred for one long year. Everywhere I Go, man. 
All the little hosters asked me, is there any truth to the fact that there was a controversial count? Holster, did you really get him over your head? Did you really beat the Giants? Well, today, man, in WrestleMania 4, we're going to wipe all that controversy out. Andre the Giant, in the second round, when you're fresh as a daisy, with the whole world watching, I'm going to prove, brother, that I can beat you anywhere, anytime. And all my Hulkamaniacs, they're going to feel it, too. Speaking of the Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, we have seen him here at Atlantic City, and I know millions others are watching very intently all around yeah, the world. but if you look in their eyes, man, have you seen the fear in all those little holsters? They realize that when I get Andre the Giant cinched up in the launch position, when I slam him through the Trump Plaza, brother, from New York down to Tampa, Florida, the fault line is going to break off. And as Andre the Giant falls into the ocean, as my next two opponents fall to the ocean floor and I pin them, so will Donald Trump and all the Hulkamaniacs. But as Donald Trump hangs onto the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm, as they sink to the bottom of the sea, thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. He'll know enough to let go of his materialistic possessions, hang on to the wife and kids, dog paddle with his life all the way to safety. But Donald, if something happens, you run out of gas, and all those little Hulkamaniacs run out of gas, just hang on to the largest back in the world, and I'll dog paddle us, backstroke all of us to safety. Oh, and thank you, Hulk Hogan. Let's get back to action. Wow. Back-to-back years, we saw WrestleMania come to Atlantic City. Trump Plaza, WrestleMania Five, Andre the Giant versus Big John Stud, Part 2. The cancellation. The WWF was riding a WrestleMania high after the third installment. After all, it was the biggest event in the history of the business and helped do more for pay-per-view than any other event ever had before. WrestleMania 4 was to keep the success rolling with the first ever WrestleMania rematch between Hogan and Andre. But Andre's career was already in the twilight stages when he wrestled at the Silverdome in 87. By 88, Andre could barely compete in this ill-fated rematch, and so plans went to Randy Savage to hold the strap by defeating Ted DiBiase. Then at WrestleMania 5, with Savage already slated to face Hulk Hogan in a clash of the Mega Powers, one year in the making... WrestleMania to WrestleMania, Andre was looking to have another rematch with the familiar foe. After nearly three years on the shelf, Big John Studd made a full-time return to the ring in his first big face roll, even going as far as to win the 1989 Royal Rumble. It was no secret that Studd was, well, had a score to settle with Andre, dating back to the very first WrestleMania, when Bobby Heenan was by his side. Now, the tables had turned, and Stud was the one looking to get even with the one of the Heenan family members. But neither man was really up to the task when it came time to book the event. So the WWF went back to their first creative idea of having Andre hook up with Jake Roberts while Stud provided the officiating duties. Overall, it was an incredibly anticlimactic finish to a career that showed such promise with the comeback win at the Rumble. Stud's comeback lasted just about six months before he permanently retired. 
Andre, on the other hand, continued to diminish in his in-ring role from singles competitor to tag team foe to sporadic manager until his death after an illustrious career. Hulk Hogan, yeah. You say you don't know where the macho man is coming from? Yeah, you're right. You don't know anything about the macho man, Randy Savage, and where I'm coming from. Because it's mind-boggling to you, yeah. How one man could make it to the top of the World Wrestling Federation mountain, yeah. All by myself. No pukesters helping me to the left. And no pukesters helping me to the right. Didn't need them then. Don't need them now. And another person I don't need is Elizabeth either, yeah. Because I'm the champion by myself. All by myself. You don't know where I'm coming from, Hulk Hogan. This Sunday afternoon. But I know where you're coming from, yeah. I know everything about Hulk Hogan, yeah. I know what makes you tick, yeah. And you've got the audacity, yeah, to see that in WrestleMania 5, that Hulkamania is gonna survive. You don't know me, Hulk Hogan. You don't know where I'm coming from. After I beat you with that big elbow and pin you one, two, three, guaranteed victory. I'm going to tell you and all the pukesters out there one last time before this Sunday afternoon. Hulkamania is dead. That will lead us to WrestleMania 6. Zeus bombs, thankfully. It was no secret that Vince McMahon wanted to do more than promote wrestling. And by 1989, he was going to take over Hollywood. At least, that's what McMahon had in mind when he cast the biggest intellectual property, Hulk Hogan, in the ill-fated production, No Holds Barred. Hogan starred as the most popular wrestler ever who would have to defend his friends and family from an evil network executive, his cronies and cross-eyed monster named Zeus. Though the movie was panned universally, it managed to make back its budget and was substantially beneficial in bringing more attention to the WWF product. So, naturally, McMahon believed that the Hogan-Zeus battles could transcend the silver screen and become Big Bank for his company. It was then that Zeus, better known as typecast actor Tiny Lister, was brought in to work several events against the Hulkster. Zeus appeared to face Hogan at SummerSlam and Survivor Series that year and was even featured in a steel cage match that was just an appetizer for a special pay-per-view event which delivered the feature presentation No Holds Barred as a package. I I remember watching that at home. Couldn't wait to see the feature film No Holds Barred. All of these matches were tag team affairs that failed to showcase a solo confrontation for the two titans. Perhaps it was for the best, as all of these matches had the appeal of a pineapple on pizza and were twice as awkward. I know that was bad, fans. Terrible. 
this match had the appeal of watching paint dry. No chemistry off camera or off the Hollywood, Hollywood floor coming into the squared circle. Zeus was slated to appear at the 1990 Royal Rumble and make a statement that would force Hulkamania into challenging him for the main event of WrestleMania 6 at the Sky Dome. Could you believe it? Possibly Zeus versus Hogan at the Sky Dome. Finally, a one-on-one encounter between them and between the stars of No Holds Barred, just as Vince had envisioned it. The crowd, however, had other ideas. Fans quickly became disenchanted with the whole angle and were instead flocking to the rising stocks in the mid-card competitors, the likes of the Ultimate Warrior. Since Lister was being paid on a a pay-per-appearance basis, McMahon dismissed his original plans and instead went with Hogan vs. Warrior in the Ultimate Challenge which we discussed in the Hulkamania Chronicles. The rest is wrestling history, as you found out. Hulkamaniacs, when I said that WrestleMania 6 was more intense than all five WrestleManias put together, I meant it, brothers. Every workout that I train is more intense. The pressure on my back is more intense than ever before. And every minute that I try to sleep, my heart pounds like a drum. I feel Hulkamania's in danger right now, Hulkamaniacs. This is the ultimate test of all times. And when I get in danger, I go back to my roots. I go back to the instincts. That's why I went back to Gold's Gym, Venice Beach, California, the power pit. That's why I went to the magic mirror. And I said, mirror, mirror on the wall. It's the ultimate warrior, the one that's going to make the Hulkster rise and fall. Usually I get a clear-cut answer, Hulkamaniacs. But this time, the magic mirror looked at me and said, Hulkster. You understand the natural balance of nature. You understand the food chain. You'll know if it happens. You'll know when it comes. All of a sudden, Hulkamaniacs, I started getting worried. The mirror faded out. There were no more answers. That's when I realized that WrestleMania 6 was the most important day for the rest of our lives because it will predict the future. Ultimate Warrior. If you're that little teeny Hulkamaniac that has trained and said his prayers and eaten his vitamins and finally rose to the number one contender position, I don't recognize you, brother. Maybe that's why you wore the war paint. Maybe that's why you cover your face so I won't know who you are. But as we get into WrestleMania 6 and you feel the power of the largest arms in the world, yes, I wipe that war paint off your face, Ultimate Warrior. If I realize that you are the new chosen one, I have an obligation to my Hulkamaniacs to fight with everything in my heart. My heart is strong like a lion. My arms are like the redwood trees in the forest. I have no flaws. My thoughts, my mind, my soul is pure. But Ultimate Warrior, it has been written, it has been said, and it shall be done in WrestleMania 6. And if I find out that you're the one that has to walk for an eternity in my shoes, brother, let it be. But you got to prove to me by beating me and all my Hulkamaniacs that you are the Ultimate Hulkamaniac. And if you're not... What's that gonna do when the largest arms in the world run wild on you? I hope again.
WrestleMania 7, there were quote-unquote security issues. Never one to shy away from a timely controversy, the WWF often enjoys the art-imitating lifestyle of doing things. So when America went to war in the early 90s, of course, the WWF acted swiftly in bringing back Sergeant Slaughter to increase fan morale except that Slaughter wasn't back to be good old G.I. Joe. 
Instead, Slaughter returned as an Iraqi sympathizer that would spew venom at the crowd about how he and Saddam Hussein were best friends. While all this was in terrible taste, the decision to book Slaughter into the WWF Championship was equally controversial. With WrestleMania 7 just around the corner and looming, the WWF decided to forego a potential money-making rematch between the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan in favor of Slaughter against Hulkamania. Vince McMahon even had the bright idea to book the event in the massive Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in hopes that this show of incredibly patriotic heroism would motivate over 100,000 fans to beat that 93,000 quote-unquote record to attend this event, thus shattering all other records, and finally defeating that WrestleMania 3 record which we already was questionable, which we already questioned in a previous story. Vince McMahon honestly believed that Hogan Slaughter would outdraw Hogan Andre. Then, just weeks before the event, the WWF changed the venue from the Coliseum to the Los Angeles Sports Arena due to quote-unquote security issues, with Slaughter's character as an Iraqi turncoat. Such a citation was immediately noted as being suspicious. And sure enough, it was confirmed that the WWF simply had not sold near enough tickets to fill the Coliseum. In fact, had the event gone on as planned, there was a better than 90% chance that the venue would have been less than half full. Ticket sales were projected to be around 30,000 when the change took place, leaving still around 70,000 seats to be claimed. The arena, however, would be full to capacity of almost 17,000, which was more than enough for WDF to make the switch to claim ulterior motives. Jobs at WrestleMania 8. Bret Hart has a plethora to say about his wrestling career in his autobiography, as we all know, entitled Hitman. And through all of his stories, are certainly, you know, throughout all of his stories in the book, they're certainly insightful. His WrestleMania tales are perhaps the most intriguing. As part of a gala affair at WrestleMania 8, Hart was to challenge the current Intercontinental Champion, Roddy Piper, to a match for the strap. It made sense, seeing how Piper had won the title during a contest with the Mountie, where he was an emergency substitute for the Hitman. During the planning of the contest, 
Brett and Piper agreed that there needed to be an extra level of depth and violence to keep the fans hot and entertained on the edge of their seat for this matchup. The only problem was the WWF was practicing a strict no-tolerance policy on blood, particular if stars were partaking in the act of blading, kind of how it is today in the PG era. See, if a wrestler was legitimately cut in the ring and began to bleed, he was instantly forgiven. Couldn't help that. It's combat, folks. But McMahon was becoming increasingly displeased with an intentional use of blood and put the locker room on notice that cutting oneself would not be acceptable. When it came time for Piper and Hart to clash, they cleverly devised a series of moves that would allow Brett to blade but convince others that his cut was legit. One exposed turnbuckle later and the hitman was gashed profusely. The match was a hit, made more so by the addition of an extreme edge. I have a feeling this may be included for the WrestleMania Dream Card Volume 2. Meanwhile, in the WWF Championship Contest later that evening, Ric Flair was seen blading on camera in a fairly obvious show of disregard for the backstage policy. Flair suffered a heavy fine for the job, while Hart never revealed he got away with murder really until or until 2007. Thank you, Gorilla. This is one tough assignment. I'm going to attempt to get comments from the now former World Wrestling Federation champion, Ric Flair's you executive... Shut con- up, Mooney. This is the way it is. Macho man Randy Savage. You call yourself a macho man? Well, what's so macho? What an injustice. I'm not going to stand out here and say anything that wasn't true, macho man. You had a handful of trunks. The trunks were up. The stupid referee, a bad job of officiating. I'll tell you, Bobby, you saw what happened. Did you see what happened? I just got down from the booth. He had your tights. I saw it. It's on camera. It's on tape. I got it. There's nothing to worry about. He had the There's nothing to worry about. Wait a minute. There's a tactics that Ric Flair was using out there that were questionable. What we have right now is a man that will walk around town tonight claiming to be the real world champion, claiming to be the second time WWF heavyweight champion. He'll be claiming it all. And most of all, he'll be claiming the love of that Jezebel, Elizabeth. Now, Savage, unlike a lot of people in the greatest sport of them all, we don't cry over spilt milk. We reassemble a team. <laughs> the money, the brains, the nucleus, and we say to our opponent, you did it once. Now, let's see you do it again. One time means nothing to my career. Tell him, Mr. Perfect, 
I'll tell you what, one time means nothing, macho man. Like your old lady, you're going to be damaged goods because this man has never taken a shortcut in the world of wrestling. You, macho man, have taken a shortcut. You had a handful of tights. We were out there, we were wrestling. This man was the greatest World Wrestling Federation champion of all time. Here it comes. Let everybody have a good, long look at it because they're all going to see... How the handful of tights! Here it comes. Watch, watch, Moody. You get a good look. Look at that handful of tights. That's the champion. He cheated. He doesn't deserve to have the title. Like his old lady, a cheater. Well, the way it stands right now, there is a new champion in the WWE. Now, we regroup together. Where I go, perfect goes. It's all monitored by Eden. And like I said before, Savage might not be tomorrow. It might be the day after. But I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to beat you bad. And every time I see your old lady, I'm going to kiss her on those moist, wet lips. Woo! baby champ. Well, as you know, this is not a very safe place to be. I'm out of here. Let's go over to Mean Gene Okerlund. All right, thank you very much, Sean Mooney. With me right now is the brand-new World Wrestling Federation Ooh, yeah. champion, Macho Man Randy Savage, along with the First Lady, Elizabeth. Now, some might say, Macho Man... That, uh, that was a questionable victory. You heard them talking about the tights and so oh, forth. Oh, do I care? I don't even care. It's okay. It's just a piece of what I wanted from you, Ric Flair. This is what makes you tip. This is what makes you tick. This is what makes you tick from the inside out. And I just took a piece of you. You haven't been beat up properly. But I'm going to do that for you, yeah. This isn't all I want from you, Ric Flair. I want the whole nature boy. I want the whole Flair package. Call yourself the real World Wrestling Federation champion. Well, I guess I am now. And what you did to Elizabeth, I guess you couldn't make me any madder than I was before I went into the ring. But somehow, you did it. You made it possible, yeah. Made it possible. Now I'm going to get the rest of them. I don't care if it's in the street parking lot. doesn't mean matter to me, yeah. Because I'll do anything to win if I didn't prove it. Prove it next time. Oh, yeah. Let's go. If, wait, wait a minute, if I what? may, Randy. Yeah, Elizabeth, what? after what happened here at WrestleMania, the fact that Randy defeated Ric Flair for the World Wrestling Federation title, in light of all of the allegations and everything that's been going on in past months, do you feel at this point that you're vindicated? Wait a minute. What? This is yours. Take it and go. And this... Who's yours, Ric Flair? Oh, yeah! This is yours! You can have all of me next time. Do you dear? I'm Mr. Perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect! I'm out of here. Oh, yeah! Just a beat! All right, thank you very much, the Macho Man Randy Savage. We are in Indianapolis. We're at the Hoosier Dome. Oh, Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, this is WrestleMania 8. Brett versus Hogan. What never was from WrestleMania 9, the world's largest toga party. Two years in a row with a Bret Hart story? Why not? By 1993, Bret Hart had been established as one of the biggest stars the WWF had to offer. He was the world champion for the second time and was about to face the challenge of the titanic Yokozuna. But throwing a monkey wrench into the plans was the ever-working mind of Hulk Hogan, who wanted another run 
at the top before he ended his run in the business. You see, Hogan was actually contemplating leaving wrestling in favor of an acting career and was well on his way before the mania drew him back in. They always pull you back in. So the plan was simple. Yokozuna would beat Bret Hart thanks to interference from Mr. Fuji. Then when things looked at their worst, Hogan would make the save and challenge Yoko to an impromptu title match that Hogan would win. Now depending on which story you read or hear, the whole thing blows up. The most common report is that Hogan was slated to drop the title that year at SummerSlam to Bret in a match that would truly signify the passing of the torch. Hart even claims to have taken press photos and magazine stills that would be used to market the contest. But sooner rather than later, Hogan's ego war with McMahon got in the way and Hart was thrown by the wayside, of course. An agreement was reached where Hogan would instead drop the belt to Yokozuna, but of course, not without some sort of interference. So Hart was written out of the title picture for almost a year before his surprising comeback win at WrestleMania 10. All of it started a year earlier in one of the most bizarre and quite possibly worst WrestleManias in memory. If any wrestle fortitude, you would accept my Yokozuna challenge. Come on! Come on, you yellow belly, come on! So Fuji says his Yokozuna is issuing a challenge to Hulk Hogan. But Hogan is more concerned with helping his friend Bret Hart. We need one more incentive. We will put on and wait down. He's on the line right now. He says, Fuji says, he'll put the title on the line right now. Come on. Let's go. You got any guts? Let's do it. Come on. Mr. Fuji has said that they will put the title Reaching back into his kimono there, and he's got more than salt or whatever. All in the eyes of Yokozuna. Hogan knocks Fuji down. Hogan with toes down, and down goes Yokozuna. Hogan knocks away. Quite simply, the story involves overbooking and overbooked WrestleMania. And that came from WrestleMania 10, the 10th anniversary in WWF, WWE standards of WrestleMania. The 10th WrestleMania was an instant classic competition in the form of brother versus brother. The memorable ladder match and an intense Falls Count Anywhere affair were just the tip of the iceberg. 
The card from Madison Square Garden was quite an impressive one. I was there firsthand to witness it. If not altogether too crowded to keep the action going. This crowd was this this card was filled. And so with 10 matches to get through at WrestleMania 10, how fitting, right? It looked like something was going to hit the cutting room floor. It wound up being a 10-man tag that bit the dust as it was scheduled to fill the gap between the ladder match and the WWF Championship match. On screen, the reason given was that the heel team comprised of Jeff Jarrett, Rick Martel, IRS, and the Head Shrinkers could not actively decide on a team captain and therefore disbanded. They had enough. Thus, their opponents, a team comprised of the Smoking Guns, Tatanka, Sparky Plug, and the 1-2-3 Kid, were without competition. Surprisingly, the majority of these 10 men would remain ultimately undeterred by the snub, becoming some of the biggest draws for the company over the next year and a half. With the exception of the model, each of them would make a future Mania appearances. Of course, losing your spot on the card may not be the worst thing after all. Just ask Adam Baum, who at the very same WrestleMania fell victim to horrible timing. Baum was an up-and-coming villain in the company who had a great look. You know, a bit cartoonish, but he had decent skills for what his body size and role was. He was decent in the ring. He was even managed by Harvey Whippleman, giving him that extra bump to stardom. How we miss the role of a manager. Vicky's keeping that alive to this date, but Bomb needed Whippleman to give him that added edge. Bomb was scheduled to face the massive earthquake, who was well on his way out of the WWF by this point. A win for Bomb and subsequent push up the card as a big-time threat was a lock. But with time pressing against them, the WWF went a completely different direction. Bomb came to the ring as planned, but stood off to the side while Whippleman picked a fight with ring announcer Howard Frinkle. My man. Earthquake then hit the ring with a vengeance and flattened Bomb in 32 seconds. He then left the company as expected, but Bomb failed to ever make an impact thanks to one of the worst squash matches in WrestleMania history. That's even including... The Boogeyman versus Booker T. Within the next year, Bomb's career sat idle while Whippleman entered into a dubious feud with the Fink that ended with the infamous Tuxedo match, which I'm sure we'll get to on Beyond the Bell. The Atom Bomb character was last seen tossing miniature Bomb Squad footballs into the audience for cheap hops. Poor Brian Clark. He needed chronic after that one. A decade in the making, WrestleMania 10 returned to where it all began. Welcome to Madison Square Garden, and welcome to WrestleMania 10. In one history-making night, the WWE Universe witnessed two hearts compete like champions, and the Heartbreak Kid taking one giant leap into WWE immortality. Owen and Bret Hart were the foundation of the legendary Hart family. United we stand, divided we fall. In this ferocious battle between sibling rivals, there were no titles at stake. Personal and family pride were of even greater consequence. I don't know what law it is, it's just because you're older than me. 
that makes you better than me. It doesn't make you better than me, Brett. The brothers' vitriol led to two virtuoso performances in one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. Bret Hart cannot beat his younger brother, and he senses it right now. Bret Hart going up. Look at this. A victory. No. The Hearts had a match for the ages, but it was Shawn Michaels who stole the show. That's what it's all about. The two Intercontinental Championship belts hanging from above. In the first ever televised ladder match, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon gave a glimpse into the future of the WWE. How could he still stand after getting hit with that ladder like that? Unbelievable! Thanks to Razor Ramon and the incomparable Shawn Michaels, a ladder match at WrestleMania has come to mean money in the bank. Bam Bam gets slammed at WrestleMania 11. Love saying that. Bam Bam gets slammed. Bam Bam Bigelow had the unbelievable task, or should I say really the inevitable task of working one of the biggest angles of the year with someone who wasn't even a wrestler in 1995. This unenviable task was took place long before the days of Akibono and Money Mayweather. Bigelow was appointed to play the top heel in a feud with former football star Lawrence Taylor. The idea was that Bigelow would put an incredibly green tailor over in the final contest of the evening, and that, in doing so, Bigelow would be launched back to the top of the card for one final run towards the belt. <gasps> I said belt. Bam Bam had never really had such an opportunity, but with such a dearth of talent during 1995, the WWF was looking to him to turn it around. Pat Patterson was even booked to referee the contest, so everything went smoothly. I remember noticing this on, on TV when Pat Patterson was the referee. You know he was there to make sure everything went un, went as planned and was under control. Pat made sure of it. And so Bigelow put himself through a surprisingly decent match that saw Taylor thrust from the second rope and through the beast from the east for the win. After a few months away, Bigelow would return stronger than ever and ready to fight for the championship. What he wouldn't count on, however, was the click. While Bigelow was building towards his breakthrough, his biggest break of his career, he watched as other big men like Mabel got pushes that failed miserably. That spot should have belonged to Bam Bam. After he would attempt to cash in on his own fortunes for doing the LT job, he would be thwarted by the likes of Shawn Michaels, WWF Champion Diesel, and Razor Ramon. With them controlling the interests of WWF Creative at the time, Bigelow basically, he basically got the shaft. He would leave the company shortly before the 1996 Royal Rumble, thanks to creative differences, 
eventually aligning himself for a huge career boost in ECW, which we'll surely get into, before another ill-fated trip to the big time and WCW. Bigelow never did get that opportunity. He was almost outright promised, and he was one of the greatest big men, the most one of the most agile big men in wrestling history, and that Mabel push should have went to Bam Bam Bigelow. On any given Sunday, anything can happen in the WWE. It's Hollywood! It's unbelievable athleticism! But this wasn't just any Sunday. It's the greatest spectacle in sports entertainment! This was WrestleMania 11. Lawrence Taylor, a football champion, was lured onto this unfamiliar battleground by a scheming behemoth. No pads, no helmets, just me and you! And I'm going to have some fun come WrestleMania. As the New York Giants swaggered boisterously to the squared circle, a curtain of muscle formed a menacing tableau at ringside. A constant reminder, there would be no surrender. A fierce clash of brute force ensued. Without protection of pads nor helmet, the gridiron warrior seemed outmatched. Things not looking good for Lawrence Taylor. I think Bam Bam could probably beat him anytime he wants to, but he wants to show the world he's making a statement. Suddenly, a Niagara of blue and black poured down. The clarion call of the final bell signaled the end for Bam Bam. Unbelievable Lawrence Taylor has done the impossible. On any given day, anything can and does happen in the WWE. At every given WrestleMania, history is made as it was that night with WrestleMania 11. Get the F out of my ring. That is what was said at WrestleMania 12. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were at the top of their retrospective games when they clashed at WrestleMania 12 in the fabled Iron Man match. 60 minutes of incredible endurance, skill, and strength made for one of the most memorable contests ever. What was still a secret at the time, however, was the growing animosity between Hart and Michaels that spilled over into the finish of this contest. Michaels was to defeat Hart. That much was true, but with 60 seconds to go. Hart locked in the sharpshooter and refused to let go. The idea was that Michaels would last the entire time without submitting, thus ending the contest in a draw until a mandatory overtime could be enforced. All went that way, all went as planned, except that Hart began to exit the ring and make his way backstage with the belt. He seemingly wanted wanted no more to do with the heartbreak kit or the match, attempting to force a draw. When he was summoned back to the ring for a five-minute overtime, Hart obliged begrudgingly and was pinned in just about 90 seconds. As Michaels rolled over to embrace the moment, Hart lay defeated in the ring. After previously trying to storm out, he was instead milking the situation in hopes of a final shaking of hands between the two. 
Instead, Michaels was handed the WWF Championship and motioned verbally to Brett that he should leave. But it wasn't any motion from Sean. Audibly, Michaels turned to Earl Hebner, the referee, and had him deliver a message for Brett. Tell him to get the F out of my ring. And he didn't say F. He said it all, folks. We're, we try not to curse here and be on the bell. We try to be a clean show for kids of all ages and grown men of all ages. But HBK got very heated when it came to getting Bret Hart out of his ring. 3,600 seconds, 60 minutes, one hour. In WrestleMania lore, these numbers mean one thing. The Iron Man match. While WrestleMania 12 heralded the debut of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H onto the grand stage, it is the legendary 60-minute Iron Man match that elevated WrestleMania 12 to the pantheon of greatness. Two superstars, one singular goal, to be champion. Shawn Michaels was controversial with a boyhood dream to be the best. Brett the Hitman Hart, a proud champion and rightful heir to the Hart family legacy. And here we go, 60 minutes long. Shawn is more of an instinct, man. Brett is more of a strategy. Here comes Vince and Shawn Michaels. Both men have given it their all thus far. This capacity crowd buzzing. They've never seen anything quite like this. This night, the genuine animosity between these men proved to be the inspiration for a masterpiece. In a match decided by most falls in an hour, shockingly, there were none. With 30 seconds left, a sharpshooter should have been the end. Got the full 60-minute time limit! But the man who would become Mr. WrestleMania would not let his dream die. I don't think Michaels gave up! This match has been sudden death, the heartbreak kid would find life. Wait a minute, Michael Sidney got it! He got it all! Michael's got it all! Five, two, The boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. Voted the greatest WrestleMania match of the last millennium by the WWE Universe. The Iron Man match and WrestleMania 12 are forever synonymous with greatness. That leads us to the lost smile in WrestleMania 13. Of course, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were only about to begin their true hatred for one another. Everybody seems to know that backstage, Michaels was all about getting his way and would simply walk away if he didn't. Brett, meanwhile, let the bitterness swell and wasn't about to put up with too much more out of HBK. The plan, as it were, was for Brett to repay the favor to Sean from WrestleMania 12, thus winning the WWF Championship back from HBK. But just about a month before WrestleMania 13, Michaels claimed a huge injury that would keep him out of action past Mania. Disappointed, Vince McMahon asked Michaels to cut a promo about the situation while forfeiting the championship belt as the company was forced to completely 
rebook WrestleMania. And so, HBK cut the infamous Lost My Smile promo, which was easily the least sincere or or heartfelt retirement speech since Brett Favre. That's a Jet fan talking. Michael's adolescent antics left the WWF in a very tough place, having to redo much of the top of the card since their epic rematch was now off. Instead, well, instead of competing with Michaels, Hart would turn his attention to his up-and-coming new rival, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the WWF Championship would be held by Psycho Sid in a match against The Undertaker. Remarkably, HBK's career-threatening injury healed, and he was back before the end of the summer. This leads us to another story of WrestleMania 13, a two-parter, kind of fits hand-in-hand, as Bret Hart lost the opportunity to face Shawn Michaels in the main event of WrestleMania, he actually took part in one of the biggest moments in WrestleMania, if not professional wrestling history. As the greatest double turn took place, that same event, WrestleMania 13. The double turn. In professional wrestling, a double turn is an incredibly rare happening that may well be the WWF equivalent of Haley's Comet. And in the World Wrestling Federation, there was no greater double turn than one pulled at the 1988 Survivor Series when the Powers of Pain aligned themselves with Mr. Fuji, who had double-crossed Demolition. Or was there? We look now to WrestleMania 13. Bret Hart and Steve Austin were about to create wrestling magic during their submission match. Austin was a bloody mess, and the callous heel who was about to get what was coming to him from the babyface Brett. As Brett locked in the sharpshooter, Special Enforcer Ken Shamrock came into play to check on the fallen Austin. Screaming and writhing in pain, Austin lost more and more blood, but refused to submit. Jim Ross provided the commentary, so epic, emphasizing the incredible grit and determination of Stone Cold not to give up. Austin eventually passed out, and Hart was declared the winner. But the hitman refused to relinquish the hold, leaving Shamrock to force him off. As Brett left the ring, he was still somewhat cheered, but most were catcalling Brett for his show of poor sportsmanship. Austin, meanwhile, left a battered, bloody wreck who almost universally cheered, was cheered for his performance. Brett wouldn't be a face within the WWF for another 13 years, while Austin led the biggest boom in wrestling history. Since the 80s, it was the start of the Attitude Era. And I know you're just as disappointed, more so than anyone else, that you are not defending the championship against Psycho Sid, or for that matter, whomever would have been stacked up against you. And no one has taken on more challengers no one in the history who's ever won this championship belt has ever had the schedule has ever had to endure the kind of schedule that you have so readily taken upon yourself well there's uh, one thing about me is that i can't do anything halfway and i you know i come here and i hear the people and they chant uh sid's name or they chant brett's name and they chant a lot of people's name and one thing is for sure you're going to have all of that in the future. Um, 
And that's what I want for the World Wrestling Federation fans. In spite of um, what people may think about me, what I've always wanted for all these people is, is for them to have a good time and to enjoy themselves. I've always tried to be the one to provide it, whether it was on the good side or the bad side. Um, but was all, what was always most important to me was the performance, was the performance so that these people, each time they reached in their pocket and they paid to get a ticket, they didn't regret it because they knew that if they saw my name on the card, they could yell, they could come and they could cheer and they could boo and they could do whatever they wanted as long as they had a good time. Over the last couple months, uh, there's been a lot of talk of people uh, having bad attitudes and a lot revolving around this belt. Uh, all I know today is that one thing that's not going to revolve around this belt for a long time is, is going to be Shawn Michaels. Uh, I don't know where I'm at right now. I have to, uh, I have to have everything checked. I may have, I may be beyond reconstructive knee surgery. I may or may not be able to fix it, but if I can't come back and perform at the level that I performed at before, I can't, I can't perform. Uh, I can't come out here and just go half-ass. I have to come out here and I have to romp and stomp, and I have to get tossed around, I have to toss people around, and I have to have fun. Uh, the schedule over the last year I took on because I didn't feel like I could say no. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to enjoy my life as a champion. I wanted to, I wanted to ride in Lear Jets, and I wanted to ride in limousines, and I wanted to be on TV shows, and I wanted to do autograph sessions, and, and I got to do every bit of that. And if nothing else, I have all of that to take with me. But again, and I know right now we're in the middle of a time where toughness is real big here in the World Wrestling Federation. And unfortunately, all I've got right now for you is a lot of sorrow, a lot of tears, and a lot of emotion. I don't have any toughness for anybody. Um, so I guess, you know, here you go. Here's your belt. And uh, what I'm going to do is go back home and see what's left for me, whether it be in this ring, whether it be out of this ring. I know that over uh, the last several months, I've lost a lot of things, and one of them has been my smile. And, and I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to everybody else, but it means a lot to me. So I have to go back and fix myself and take care of myself. And I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the line, I lost it. And I don't care, really. I don't care if it's unpopular. I don't care if uh, people want to make fun of me because I'm an emotional guy. Um, but this is, this is all I've ever wanted to do. And uh, 
over the last year I got to do it, and whether you like me or not, I just want to tell you that uh, last year was the most wonderful year of my life, and uh, if I never do get to do it again, it'll be okay because I got to live one full year as being the number one guy in this business, and it was the single most greatest year of my life, and I have you to thank, and I have everybody here to thank, and it means a lot to me. And we'll wrap up part one of the stories of WrestleMania with WrestleMania 14. Legion of Doomed, Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, will go down as one of the greatest tag teams in professional wrestling history. We talked about it in the edition of the greatest tag teams of all time. Check it out on the Beyond the Bill archives. There is no comparison or debate for the only team to ever win the real big three of wrestling tag championships, the AWA, NWA, and WWF tag team titles. But in 1998, the Legion of Doom had pretty much run their course. These mega faces from the 80s weren't able to pulverize every enemy in their past anymore, as the crowd just wasn't buying it. New adversaries, namely the New Age Outlaws, were the Road Warriors what made the New Road Warriors nearly obsolete. With one last chance to bring LOD to some sort of relevance and prominence, the WWF booked an angle wherein Hawk and Animal would brawl until the duo was no more. In writing writing them basically off television, the absence would make the fans' hearts grow fonder, of course. That's what they thought. And soon they'd have no choice but to accept the Road Warriors back as their Superman tag team. As part of the effort to reinvigorate them, they were given a new manager, Sonny, and a complete and total new look. With updated biker helmets, pads, and outfits, they were to be known as LOD 2000, the tag team for the new millennium. Their surprise return during WrestleMania 14 was meant to signal the start of a new era for the greatest tag team to ever walk the face of the earth. Backstage, however, however, all was was not well. Hawk and Animal already had a reputation as stiff workers who didn't care too much for their opponents, and being booked into a 15-team battle royal with 20 other workers, including fellow hard-nosed combatants like hardcore Bob Holly, didn't bode well for the team. Instead of going along with the booking plan, the two that the two were to run through the battle royal, both found that their various opponents were trying to look like equals in the ring with the almighty road warriors. Such a stark contrast what the LD were familiar with before led to the swift demise of LOD 2000 and the introduction of a third member, Darren Puke Drozdov. Within within months, they had gone from the team that could last another decade with a sleek update to a divided minefield with personal tensions and issues running at an all-time high. In the spring of 1775, the shot heard round the world started an American revolution. In Boston, Massachusetts, more than 200 years later, there was another kind of revolution going on. It's WrestleMania 14! Woo! 1998 was the dawning of a new attitude in the WWE. If the Rock feels like this nine times out of ten, he'd be a hung jury if you smell what I'm cooking. <laughs> and after WrestleMania 14, nothing would ever be the same again. It's my 
guest celebrities had an attitude. You know, I left tickets for Bill Bunkert, but he couldn't bend over to pick them up. I found it. An attitude in need of adjustment. He may think this is fun and games. Wait a minute. Good God. Wait a minute. In the main event, one of the most important matches in WWE history. This is what our business is all about. Shawn Michaels against Stone Cold Steve Austin. With the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson, as the special enforcer, the two superstars who personified attitude battled in a back-and-forth WWE championship match for the ages. Oh, this is so intense. The gut check here is off the paint. The champion was poised to retain his crown. Michael's tuning up the band for some sweet chin music. Until a stunning turn of events. Austin, he got it! Mike Tyson in! Austin in the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! And Iron Mike saluted the new champ by delivering a stunner of his own. Tyson! Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Stitcher is a leading mobile audio company that provides a revolutionary media service which allows audio content to be easily aggregated, organized, and shared on mobile devices. It features the most up-to-date and relevant content in business, sports, politics, entertainment, and current events from the media industry's premier content providers. By focusing on the growing market for mobile content distribution, Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market and the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. All produced by JJ Allcap Sexy, shows include Wrestling News Live, The Pro Wrestling Rewind, Unplugged with JJ Sexy, and of course, the flagship of the SNS Radio Network, Sunday Night Showdown. The SNS Radio Network is streamed at Justin.tv, AudioWrestling.com, SNSRadioNetwork.com, Skype, and Google Voice. Basically, if you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media. Jerome Willen provides Squared Circle Media to all pro wrestling fans. Squared Circle Media was designed to contain exclusive audio and video content. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. Pro Wrestling Ringside Radio contains news stories with analysis and opinions. And it is designed to be interactive by encouraging other fans to submit their own views of the top pro wrestling news stories. Pro wrestling fans are encouraged to send in their thoughts from Live Raw, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and other independent wrestling events held around the globe. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net. 
ringannouncing.com is the official website of ring announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of ring announcing. That's www.ringannouncing.com. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. The Jetpack. Hosts Sean Beckerman and Frank Zintel bring you The Jetpack, the brand new podcast dedicated to the New York Jets. The Jetpack airs every week during the New York Jets regular season. Each show will discuss last week's game, the game plan for next week, and much more. It includes audio and comments from Jets players and staff, courtesy of NewYorkJets.com. You can find all archive shows at jetpack.libsyn.com and on iTunes. The Jetpack has blasted off fans. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com and in the title type advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time. WrestleMania fans, part one of the stories of WrestleMania is in the books. Expect part two to be coming in just a few short days where we look at the stories from WrestleMania's 15 to 27. Get ready. Some tall tales of WrestleMania continue here on Beyond the Bell. Thank you so much for joining us. WrestleMania Month continues here at Beyond the Bell. Don't forget to listen to previous WrestleMania audio from the rest of this month and previous weeks as we saw WrestleMania facts and stats, the best and worst of WrestleMania, Macho Mania, the feuds of Macho Man Randy Savage at WrestleMania. Don't forget the remastered, rebroadcasted, redistributed WrestleMania Dream Card. Also, this month at the WrestleMania Beyond the Bell theme content, we have the 2012 Hall of Fame retrospective as we look back at the inductees of the 2012 WWE Hall of Fame and their impact they made on professional wrestling history. Also, in dedication to their induction in the Hall of Fame this year, we look at the Horseman Files and we open up our file book to 1986. The inaugural edition, the inaugural invented year of the Four Horsemen. Also, we'll look back in a little Beyond the Bell mini episode as we'll go over my own WrestleMania moments as I've been a part of eight WrestleManias in history and I've had so many great memories at the biggest event of the year. We'll also look at the streak of WrestleMania. Enough said there. And we'll cap it off with a preview of WrestleMania 28, Rock versus Cena. Also, fans, a brand new segment on Unplugged with JJ Sexy has debuted as we introduced this week in wrestling history. So stay tuned and remember to listen to Unplugged every Friday night on the SNS Radio Network. And you'll listen in to the special clip, the new segment on Unplugged this week in wrestling history. Wrestling fans, follow Beyond the Bell in all avenues of the show, of the social network. At Sean Beckerman is the Twitter handle for your own host of Beyond the Bell, Sean Beckerman. Like us on fa- Facebook. Remember, follow us on Twitter. www.ringannouncing.com is the official site for ringannouncing.com and your host of Beyond the Bell, Sean Beckerman. And I'm proud to announce that ringannouncing.com is officially on YouTube. Our YouTube channel has been out there with my ring announcing videos, but it has been re- repackaged, reproduced, and redistributed 
under the new Beyond the Belt and YouTube themed content as we have compliment video to the Beyond the Belt podcast for topics we discuss. We'll have complimentary videos under playlists under the ring announcing section of YouTube. So search us under ring announcing under youtube.com and you'll see videos that will complement the theme content of Beyond the Bell, not to mention ring announcing videos on audio of Sean Beckerman and hopefully after a few weeks of it being debuted on Unplugged, we'll have the archived shows of This Week in Wrestling History. So, ringannouncing.com is on YouTube and the brand new playlists and shows have been updated and get ready for original content to take place on YouTube from Beyond the Bell and myself, ring announcer Sean Beckerman. So stay tuned for that, fans. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Beyond the Bell. Remember, you can follow all the shows that are archived from WrestleMania Month under beyondthebell.podbean.com as well as on iTunes. Also, if you have a smartphone, the Stitcher app where you can stream all of our shows on your smartphone, whether it's the iTunes App Store or now I think it's called Google Play, the Android Market where you can download the Stitcher app and listen to all archive shows of Beyond the Bell. So, wrestling fans, another episode in the books. We'll get ready for part two of the stories of WrestleMania, and we'll look ahead to WrestleMania 28 coming up. So, fans, I'm your host, ring announcer Sean Beckerman, signing off. We'll finish with our old-school theme of the week. It will be Crack Addict, the theme song for WrestleMania 19. We'll see you later this month with more WrestleMania audio. Three, two, one. That's right, I'm a crack addict. You heard me, 
Announcer Sean Beckerman here. Want to go back in time and relive the greatest and worst in the world of sports entertainment? From all-time favorite matches to the worst gimmicks in pro wrestling, we cover it all. So join us each and every week on the SNS Radio Network as we go beyond the bell. Wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun.